Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh, hey. I was just hoping to get a hold of you. I got the New Country Living magazine. I wondered if you wanted to come on over and look at it with me. Well, all right then. I'll try again. Bye-bye now. This is your host, Adam Sane. I'm uh, flying solo tonight. Uh, Luke is not here. He is um, at an electronic show getting his rave on tonight. And uh, on the line, I have a guest that I've been wanting to get on for a long time, Mr. John Tenney. And uh, hopefully we're going to be joined here soon by his uh, co-host, Chad Lindbergh. Uh, They have a show on Destination America that is called Ghost Stalkers. And uh, I've watched the first two shows. They've aired on the on the network. Uh, so, um, Chad's. We're going to try to call him here in a little bit. But uh, uh, want to get uh, you on, John. You know, kind of talk about you know who you are and what kind of got you interested in that. And uh, I'll try to call uh, Chad while you're talking. Sure. And we'll get. Uh, you may hear his ringtone. So <laughs> give me just a second. <laughs> But uh, go go ahead, get started, like what you were, you know, how you got into, you know, paranormal research, you know, what got you interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I was always a weird kid. I was always a very, 
different thinker, anti-authoritarian type of teenager growing up. And uh, one way or another, I ended up running into a guy who was an expert in political assassinations of the 1960s and 70s. And uh, Nice background music for you, John. What was that? <laughs> nice background music for you. <laughs> Do you want me to talk over the background music? Our call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message. All right, so you said that you had had a mentor that was into the political assassinations in the 1960s? Yeah, my mentor was a specialist in, in conspiracies and political assassinations. And so I, I kind of ran with the ball, and he taught me how to do research and how the government works and how you deal with the government when you're trying to do research, and did that for a couple of years. Uh, and I was always much more interested in the kind of weirder aspects of what the government wasn't telling us, secret societies, um, global manipulation. And and when you get into that stuff, you start dealing with UFOs, um, interdimensional beings, occult magic. And so I started finding myself researching stranger and stranger stuff that started to lead toward the paranormal. And then when I was 17, I died. I had a near-death experience. I had a, my heart stopped for a couple minutes, and I had a very weird experience that wasn't the normal white tunnel of light and loving people. It was something that was far more kind of sinister feeling. And when I recovered from that, I really focused all of my research onto uh, the reality that we seem to perceive persistence of life and consciousness after biological deaths. And here we are 27 years later, and I'm still doing it. Wow, that's a long time—twenty-seven years uh, that you've been that you've been doing it. And you, you said that your your near-death experience—I believe you like you were you were how old? I think like seventeen when you had that. Yep. Yes. And I kind of want to talk about that too. You know what uh, what happened in the course of that experience because it is it is kind of you know you don't hear too much about the negative experiences. You hear a lot about the positive, and not enough about people like. It was it kind of more like a hell experience, or was it? I mean, in the sense, you know, and there are people that have experiences like mine. I think the problem is, is that they are so overwhelmingly uh, painful to kind of revisit that most people don't talk about them. Where a traditional near-death experience is very happy, so people are very willing to talk about them. But you know, if there can be anything that is hellish, you know, all the universe has ever really done is create and. Uh, and kind of give birth to life and molecules and that's the universe is all about kind of life and, and expansion and growth. And when I died, if you want, if you want to call it hell, I mean, what I experienced is the opposite of that. It's void and emptiness and nothingness and darkness and, uh, and eternity without, you know, there's, there's no time when you have nothing. So, you know, even though I was only flatlined for a couple minutes to me, I was there for an infinite amount of time, which is, pretty terrifying even now when I start to think about it. Um, but it's strange too, because, you know, people assume, oh, well, you know, I've had people say to me like, well, you, you obviously, your brain was just doing something. You were having a hallucination or whatever thing, whatever, right. you know, but what's funny is I don't think people understand. I mean, when in our day and age, even, you know, now, right now, when you, when people stub their toe or they get a sore throat, like they research about it, what is it that hurt them? And what, what might it be? Is it the flu? Do they have a cold? They do like cursory research. 
when you have a near-death experience, I mean, I've traveled around the country and talked to neurobiologists and neurochemists, and I stay up on all the current data on what brain chemistry does in near-death experiences. I mean, it's not like I'm making a claim that I haven't researched and investigated. Something very uh, uh, life-changing happened to me, and I have always tried to keep current because I really am interested in what happened to me, my consciousness, what happened to my reality when I passed away. Right. Yeah, it's very it's it's very interesting. Just the the whole realm of near death experiences. I haven't done too much on it in the show. Uh, we've talked to uh, you know a couple of guests about it. Um, so that kind of propelled you into not only like the conspiracy uh, research, but also into the paranormal research. And also, you know, to um, go on about. Uh, you know, but this goes into like I think the like, the idea of portals, which is something you talk about in the show. And you know, what exactly is a portal? You know, how are those how are those made? You know, what is like the what is the science behind that? What's what's the whole idea there? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I do as a researcher is I'm also very interested. I mean, I started as a historical research, you know, studying politics and stuff, but I've always been very interested in history, and history contains a lot of folklore and stories, and obviously uh, experiences with ghosts, spirits, and hauntings go back, you know, all throughout human history. But there's also stories of doorways and gateways to different worlds that we hear about, whether it's biblically, uh, you know, putting up a ladder and climbing in the heaven, uh, taking you somewhere else, or, you know or Egyptian uh, having to go on a boat and go through a, a tunnel to get to the other side to where, you know, your, your heart can be weighed and judged by the gods. There always seems to be mention of a doorway or a hole or a passageway or a portal to a, an alternate reality. And so when Chad and I got together to do Ghost Stalkers, one of the things that we were interested in was all other paranormal shows go into a location to try and prove or disprove if the place is haunted and I said, let's just throw that completely out. Let's rework the idea. Let's go to a place and just assume that it is haunted. And let's, right. try, and, let's try and figure out why it's haunted. And if it is haunted, where is the most active location in the house? Why is it the most active location in the house? Because we live on a planet where 100 billion people have died. And if everyone has the potential to become a spirit, if only even half of those people, so 50 billion if only half of them ever became ghosts, that's 50 billion ghosts on the planet. Why do, does it seem to be that they only manifest in certain places? They should be everywhere if there's 50 billion of them. But it seems like there are certain locations that are more mystical, more apt to a metaphysical experience. And so that's one of the ideas behind portals is trying to figure out where is that doorway? Is that a, is that a thing that exists? And like you said, when it comes to science, one of the really cool things that we do is we have uh, what our tech specialist, David Roundtree, has been trying to study for the past 30 years, has been trying to study things like wormholes to see that if a micro wormhole, you know, whenever we think wormholes are black holes, we think these massive objects. Um, right. What David is interested in is if you had even a, a microscopic, an atomic-sized wormhole, that should be enough for energy to transfer from one reality to another because... It's a connection point between two realities. And so David has, you know, a bunch of ideas and a bunch of equipment that I don't think anybody's ever seen before trying to figure out, not if there's ghosts, 
But if there is something in the environment that's conducive to creating uh, a doorway between alternate realities. Yeah. So kind of like you just like folding into uh, different dim dimensions. Now, that, that, that does uh, make me want to ask, you know, do you see the afterlife, uh, you know, whatever that may be? And as someone that's had an experience that you had when you were young, do you see the afterlife as a form of a different dimension? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, we are obviously in, in this uh, seemingly shared reality that we all experience with each other or seem to experience with each other. We're very limited in our biology. We see in a very small spectrum of light. We hear in a very small spectrum of sound. We feel in a very small spectrum of, of heat and cold. And I really do think that not only in, in our reality are we missing a, a lot of information just because we biologically can't uh, interact with it. But I, I, I do think, and science will bear this out, I think, you know, Michio Kaku, Brian Green, people who study things like M-theory, string theory, multiple dimensions, multiple and parallel worlds. I mean, they tell us that there are probably more dimensions and more realities out there. Um, and I think that this is just an extension. When, when I say a portal or a doorway to an afterworld, uh, I really am talking about parallel realities and alternate dimensions, which are the same things that physicists talk about. Uh, I'm choosing to use certain words to make uh, a, a broader audience. People feel very intimidated when a scientist starts talking about, uh, you know, Einstein, Rosen, Bridges, and going into the math mm -hmm. about it. When you start telling, when you start phrasing it as portal, ghost, spirit, people will start to listen. And once they start to listen, then they can start to question their ideas, and then we can all start discussing this together. What is this? What is this? Some of the science behind portals. You know, I noticed in the last show that you um, you explained a lot of it as being um, ions, uh, based with ions, and and I, I don't know if that was more based on that particular location that you were at. Or whether that this is kind of a, a general theory that you have? Well, it's, it's one of those things, you know, obviously we're, we do an hour show and, and the way that I am, I can talk about, you know, just things like ions for three hours. So you'll get a snippet of something here and there. But the overall idea uh, when we were at the last episode at Springfield State Hospital was... Um, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, I just got a weird interference on my phone or something. It's the... Illuminati. <laughs> Let me, I'm gonna try. I want to try Chad real quick. Yeah, please uh, go ahead. He says that he's gonna try. We're gonna try here. So let me try to uh, add him into the into the call. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff I can edit sure. out. So uh, I just want to make sure that we get. We get. Um, <clears throat> Everybody in. Enjoy this Verizon ring back tone while your party is reached. Your call has been forwarded to. Ah, uh, you're stuck with me. Three, two. <laughs> That's fine. Well, we were talking about, about ions. Yeah, for uh, sure. And, uh, well, one of the things that I talk about, again, I was saying you kind of only get snippets just because of time constraints. But one of the things that interests me 
about locations that are alleged to be haunted or have histories behind them or places where you want to go to try and see if there's an environment that's kind of indicative of, of kind of hauntings. Uh, one of the things that we look for is, you know, certain characteristics. And one of those characteristics is how it affects you mentally. And so um, moving water, uh, rushing water creates a, a large amount of negative ionic charge in the air. And, and science actually tells us that uh, large amounts of ions do things to your brain chemistry. It, it relaxes you. It lowers your blood pressure. Um, right. And and so that's interesting in the sense that at Springfield, right next door to Springfield, where the whole complex was built on an underground spring and has these steam tunnels where there were rushing water building up negative ionic atmosphere, right next door to it is a power plant, which power plants generate positive ions, which science tells us increase your blood pressure and stress you out and give you headaches and, and can cause you to have nightmares. And so what happens when you have a mental home where you have these uh, kind of polarizing opposite effects happening to the brain chemistry? Is there something in there that's perhaps not paranormal, but a natural development from the environment of the area that either makes people more or less sensitive to if there is something paranormal going on in the location? Uh, that's one thing that I've always been interested in was um, some people like to debunk that and say that, oh, okay, well, they're just seeing things because it's high EMF, mm -hmm. electromagnetic frequency. Um, I, I, I tend to look at that in a different way and think, well, maybe that the electromagnetic frequency is just another, is a, is a way that maybe that it thins the veil, so to speak, or opens up a portal to where people can actually experience the other side. For sure. Uh, I talk about this in my lectures sometimes because, obviously, uh, as most people who are interested in paranormal stuff know, that you know, there's always this kind of magic hour at night around 3 o'clock where people say that you know it's the witching hour or that's the bad hour or the ghosty hour or whatever like that. Um, right. but the reality of it is that because of just us being evolved beings, we have a circadian rhythm in our system and our brain. And between two 30 in the morning and four 30 in the morning, your brain is creating chemicals for the dream state. And mm -hmm. it's not that people, I, I, I'm right with you. I, I think that it's not the fact <laughs> that chemicals are making people hallucinate. I think that for the first time throughout the day is the first time that your brain is actually a little bit more aware of its surrounding. And that's why you start to have more experiences that are considered paranormal. Uh, have you ever had a sleep paralysis experience? Uh, I have, I still to this day have sleep paralysis. I've had it ever since I was a little kid. Oh, wow. Uh, so have you seen, uh, have you ever experienced any like the, um, the old hag syndrome. Oh, absolutely. Like it's still, even this day, and it's happened to me for, you know, over 30 years, uh, it still freaks me out, you know, that experience of waking up, not being able to move, hearing someone whispering in my ear, thinking that there's someone in the room with me. Um, oh, yeah, it freaks me out totally. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, it's what's funny is uh, years and years ago, one of the first jobs I ever had was as a researcher on the show Unsolved Mysteries. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So one of the things that we did was we, we used to do a lot of alien abductions and alien abductions ha are very similar to sleep paralysis experience. And there's a, yeah. a lot of them get written off as sleep paralysis experiences. 
but what's strange is with alien abductions, you have the uh, normal kind of uh, sleep paralysis experience, but then you also have an out-of-body experience that happens, and that's not typical with a, with a sleep paralysis experience. Uh, sleep paralysis is what it is. Most people that have ever had it have it and know what it is. Uh, but with abduction phenomena, there's a, a second and third uh, qualities that happen, which is uh, the fact that you do go out of your body, you start to be able to move, and then you interact with the beings that are around you. And that's not typical of sleep paralysis. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've had some people on to talk about sleep paralysis and some people that believe that, you know, one, one can lead to an, lead to another. Um, you know, in fact, I, I fall within the realm of alien abduction as being primarily really like a, a spiritual thing, not physical in any nature, but I don't want to get too, too far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so I think, but you know what I think I really do think, and I talk about this in my lectures all the time. I think that we really have to, because, uh, you know, over the past 27 years of doing this research, I find that um, when we when we start to classi uh, classify and categorize and, and kind of speculate about uh, individual components of supernatural or paranormal phenomena, we miss the wider scope. Uh, when I was working on Unsolved Mysteries and we would do alien abduction stories, just because the, the way the narrative of our culture changed, uh, those experiences are now considered demonic possessions. And the experiences are still the same, but we've changed the words. And I, I think that it's probably neither of those things, but it's something that's, you know, that we're, we're dealing with a huge combinatorial system that we don't quite understand because we don't have the language to speak about it. Right. That, when you said that in the first episode, I was like, right on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Absolutely. Because there was this whole thing in that first episode of people in that in that house with the whispers estate yes. that they had seen they had said that they had seen a goat man or something in the attic. Yeah. And you know, you and you made that statement in regards to the fact that, you know, okay, well isn't there supposed to be just ghosts here? Well well no. I mean the phenomenon is the same. Uh I, I had a guest on not too long ago that experienced a, a, a demonic haunting. Uh and, you know, he also had a UFO experience mm -hmm. at one time. And he kind of like, he kind of pigeonholed one did nothing to do with the other. And I was kind of like, well, I think it actually does. Well, yeah, you know, even you find uh, because of the way what people think are interesting in a story, like I've interviewed quite a number of people who um, say that they've seen Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. But when people write Bigfoot stories, when books are put out about people who have seen Bigfoot, a lot of the information will get left out that that's actually important, which is the majority of people who see Bigfoot within 15 minutes before seeing Bigfoot or 15 minutes after seeing Bigfoot, they also experience a bright flash of light. And so that doesn't get mentioned because it just doesn't have anything to do with Bigfoot, so anyone thinks. Yeah. But yeah. because but because you don't hear anybody saying that, you don't realize that it is a very common experience that people see a bright flash of light and then 15 minutes later see Bigfoot or see Bigfoot and then they see a bright flash of light, which means that they could be experienced, you know, Bigfoot could be some kind of nature spirit or interdimensional creature that's coming through some gateway somewhere. And, and but, you know, as soon as you talk about Bigfoot being an interdimensional creature, now you're real wacko, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a large hominid is crazy enough, but if you start saying mm -hmm. that it's a nature, you know, interdimensional creature, now you're really over the edge. 
Well, this is going to lead into my next question for you. But, you know, there's people, there's a whole school of thought out there that think the Loch Ness Monster was something that Aleister Crowley conjured up. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, when, it's, a, it's a great example. Uh, what I was saying earlier about, uh, you know, the kind of uh, ancient and, and uh, wise old tales that we have of these kind of gateways and crossings, this is something that occultists have been working on for hundreds of years is opening up doorways between multiple realities and, and different universes. And, you know, sometimes they, they call it, you know, hell, or sometimes they call it the afterworld, whatever. But people like Crowley, uh, you know, all of these kind of uh, Novo Magnuses who are working with occultism, all they're really trying to do is bridge the gap between this reality and some other one, even if it's only uh, a psychological doorway that opens up to be able to manifest stuff. And it's possible, yeah. it's possible that, you know, a lot of these creatures, uh, whether it be Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster, if you, if you buy into the um, kind of occultist line, uh, of like manifesting and being able to conjure, uh, that a lot of these creatures might be aggregors or thought forms that are actually created by the by the fact that we're thinking about them. Yeah, tulpas. Yeah, and, and like uh, you know, we've we've talked about the black eyed kids here several times, and also the whole Slender Man thing that's going on right now. Yeah. And that that kids are seeing Slender Man when everybody knows that Slender Man was invented in 2009 right. on, a, on a website. Right. <clears throat> I wanted to ask about that, the role of the occult. And, you know, is it is it just the intention that they're putting out, uh, like especially Whispers Estate? Now, would you think that there could have been some occultism that went on there at one time? Uh, I or think, some occult practices, rather? I think so, but I think a lot of the time when you get uh, kind of uh, bestial uh, apparitions or spirits or sightings, I think a lot of the times you're, you're catching, uh, you know, I think you're catching older uh, nature-type spirits that have, have existed on this planet as, alongside of us that we've kind of yeah. forgotten about. I mean, all ancient cultures know that there were these... Uh, you know, beings that weren't human, but they weren't animals either. They were these kind of in-between creatures and paid respect to them. But, you know, and I think that that's something that might be happening at, at Whispers, but I think you were going to go somewhere too, and I, I, I'm going to go there right now, which is when you talk about <laughs> Slender, Slender Man and the Black Eyed Kids and how that stuff manifests, one of the things as a researcher that I, I can absolutely swear to is that when a place is haunted or, or is said to be haunted and people start going there en masse, that place becomes more haunted. And so it really does seem like the intention of the people going there either spikes the, the strangeness or adds energy to it somehow or manifests whatever is there more intensely than originally uh, seen and, and recognized. There was a researcher um, that uh, I can't remember his name now. He passed away a few years ago, but he did a study on like the sphere of Longinus, the uh, supposedly the sphere that the sphere that pierced the, the sphere of pride, destiny, right? The sphere of destiny, and he didn't believe that any of the spears, so-called spears of destiny, were were you know the actual spear, but he said that a lot. What he thought it was was that a lot of people uh, would go see it in the museum. And that that it, that whatever power or it, whatever the emotions that were being put into this thing 
that eventually that there was some kind of actual power that was that was manifest in it. For sure, absolutely. And if you look at traditions, I have I, I live in Detroit. I'm born and raised just outside of Detroit, and um, I've grown up with uh, friends, dozens of families that are old school. Uh, deep South folk magic practitioners that moved up here from New Orleans back in the 10s, 1910s and 1920s. And yeah. all of uh, their magic, all of that folklore, it, well, all that folklore <laughs> magic and folk magic pra- that, they, that they practice is based on intention. It's based on their will and it's based on their emotion and, and pushing it into whether it be an object or even creating amulets for protection um, it's about your intent. It's about your energy and your manifesting of your strength. When I, you know, people have commented on on the show on Ghost Stalkers that I'm, I, I investigate in a very relaxed fashion. I go in. I'm very calm. Even when I got pushed and scratched, I was very calm in whispers. And uh, one of the one of those things comes, you know, the, my reactions come from not only doing this for 27 years, but knowing that. I have a certain amount of protection that I've built up inside of myself over that past 27 years so that I'm not very frightened about being attacked by a ghost or a spirit. Um, uh, it's, it's my intention. It's my strength and belief in myself yeah. that keeps me protected. Well, saying that, what, you know, it's kind of like your techniques and your investigation. I mean, what do you, uh, do you, do you use anything special in your investigation, like uh, the you know devices? Uh, do you or do you just go in and just well, you might have like a recording device or something, but do you just go in and just kind of do you do you challenge the do you challenge provoke anything I'm not a, like that? I'm not a big provoking person. Uh, in whispers, yeah. I provoke. Uh, and again, there's a lot of stuff you don't see. I'm actually writing blogs about stuff that people don't see in each episode as they come out. Yeah, I saw one of those today, yeah. And um, like in Whispers, uh, as Gwen, the caretaker, left, she told me, you know, um, there's one entity in here that won't come out unless it's challenged. And so, you know, when people watch the show, you see Chad and I, it's only an hour show, but we're inside for eight or nine hours. And so over the right. course of eight or nine hours, you know, I only started to kind of get close to provoking, saying, come out, talk to me, you know, I'm coming into your space after about hour seven and a half and nothing had happened. And I thought, well, you know, I might as well take the advice of someone who knows this location better than I do and, and kind of try and amp it up just slightly to see what will happen. And it worked. Um, but when it comes to just investigating a location, I'm very minimal about stuff. Um, I love to use an analog recorder when I'm doing stuff, but it becomes impractical changing tapes every 30 minutes uh, when you're doing eight hours worth of investigation. Uh, sometimes, uh, and you don't see this on the show, but you know, Chad and I will do baseline environmental readings throughout the night to see if anything is changing in the house. So just normal equipment that stuff that checks ion counts, stuff that checks gamma radiation bursts, things that check, you know, temperature. But, um, you know, I have, Chad and I do all our own camera work and we have to move our cameras around because we're inside by ourselves, which I don't think anybody's ever seen on a show before too. There's no camera crew in there with us, but those cameras have better microphones than the digital recorders. So I'm kind of relying on these really high powered video cameras and their high powered microphones to catch any experience that I might be having on uh, while I'm doing my investigation. Right. What is the, 
you said something interesting there, like the gamma rays. I mean, this is something that I'm kind of hearing about lately in paranormal research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is up with that? Because I never really thought about ghosts as being, like, radioactive. Yeah, um, actually, uh, it's one of the things that David and I have discussed when we were talking about what we should be looking for when we're, when we're thinking about portal formation. The Earth is bombarded every single day by gamma rays. They're popping through you and I right now. Um, and so you can detect and do a baseline as to what a normal gamma, a normal amount of gamma radiation is hitting the earth all the time. Uh, David has this idea that when a portal opens, you'll get, uh, huge amounts of bursts of gamma radiation because you're having, um, almost a, a, a mini sun, if you will, with these wormholes kind of being created. And so the gamma counts will go up. The thing that's really interesting about it is, when you start dealing with radiation, you start dealing with what are the negative effects of that. And if you look throughout the paranormal community, uh, since people have really started going to active locations, if you look at the illnesses that have kind of befallen a lot of paranormal investigators, you have to wonder if it's not because they're being exposed to things like x-rays, gamma rays, and different types of radiation every single weekend um, when they go to these haunted locations. And so uh, you know, gamma rays, it's just one more way that you can track to see if the environment is changing because we know what the baseline is. And if you go into a location and it's starting to spike, you can start to look around if there's a natural occurrence of that happening, you know, if someone's, if the microwave is running or whatever. Um, but also to just see if the environment itself, you'll, you'll see changes in gamma radiation when there's uh, uh, giant, uh, what do you call them, sunspots and some solar flares, you'll see increases then. And again, this is an, another way to check to see if something is happening in our environment that's allowing a different reality to form. And you would expect when nature starts to change, uh, nature changes. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, uh, like the, I'm sure you're familiar with the Dybbuk box, you know, that uh, a lot of it's uh, what some of those people suffered, uh, like the guys that bought it off of eBay, the mm-hmm. college kids, it mm-hmm. sounded very much like radiation sickness. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, <clears throat> it is really strange. Um, one of the things that I don't know if you'll see it or not, but like one of the things that uh, Chad and I do uh, is going to these locations is you can actually buy radiation badges to see if you're getting too much radiation. It's things that they wear at atomic power plants and stuff like that. Uh, just to monitor, to make sure that we're not exposing ourselves to something that's harmful to us biologically. Yeah, I mean that 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 I think is very important. And, and plus, too, you know, you you go in. Uh, I think it was part of what you were saying on the blog post that you know what you don't see is that you guys are wearing masks. And a lot of those old places, like you know, you got black mold and asbestos and just all kinds of stuff that can really hurt you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At Springfield, um, a state in the second episode, you don't see it, but we we had to wear masks because as we were walking through, you know, you have huge amounts of lead paint that have fallen off the walls, uh, the ceilings, and and a lot of the walls are asbestos. And as you walk by and walk across the floor, you're just kicking up tons of that dust, especially when you're crawling around down in the the, uh, steam tunnels underneath the building. There's so much mold and... uh, you know, in, in, in one of an unseen part of that episode, you know, I was crawling through a crawl space and I found pretty much a nest of a few hundred bats. 
and I was, you know, maybe seven, oh, in, gosh. maybe like seven inches away from crawling straight into like four or five inches of bat guano, which is completely toxic and can kill you, you know, within a couple of weeks after being exposed to it. I think we're going to try it. We're getting Chad on the line here. I think he's cool. uh, coming up on Skype. So, hello, Chad. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, hey. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Have you been trying to call me? Uh, I mean, I just now tried to call you on Skype, uh, but yeah. I had tried to call you like uh, on the phone. Yeah, it hasn't rung once over here. Like I, literally, <laughs> so I, I so apologize, and then all of your texts just came through. So uh, <laughs> the ghost it's all right, been... don't want me to talk to you guys. I guess I've been holding down <laughs> the fort. I know, I know, I know you were. I was just well, uh, we were kind of talking about kind of like the investigations and, uh, you know, and the kind of like the technology involved. And I, I kind of want to talk about you guys' dynamic since I got you on, Chad, about the, the dynamic of the team. Uh-huh. And, uh, Chad, you, you seem uh, like I don't how How do I put how can I put this? <laughs> Like John just seems like he goes in and like you can tell he's a little you know he's he's going in like he's like he has he's going in with respect for what he's doing, right. and then Chad you go and you got respect for it but you seem like like you like you're scared and like I would be probably the same way I'd be freaking out myself yeah. but like kind of like you guys dynamic <laughs> and like how you guys uh, how you guys work together. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've known John for years, so, you know, uh, it's a real pleasure to go out with him, and I've learned so much, and and that there is that dynamic. I mean, he goes in, he's been doing this for 27 years, and he's a little more cool and collected as to where I've been doing this for probably four or five, and yeah. I, I don't know, I'm a very visceral person, so once I get into these places, um, and you're alone at night for seven, eight hours, it's terrifying, and, and yeah. you know I'm working it out, so uh, it's it's cool. You, you you get the real balance between us, and that's the difference with you guys' show um, is that when you guys go in, there's no cameraman, right? Like you guys are the cameraman, and then you have like a static camera sitting down, and then there's yeah. We actually uh, we actually go in with a camera and and, a, and one or two cameras on tripods, and then there's uh-huh. more cameras inside that are set up that we can move around whenever we want. But you know, no one has ever seen a paranormal show where there's not a camera crew. You know, even when people say that they're alone, you know, there's at least one guy following uh-huh. them around with a camera filming right. what they're filming. Right, and that is different. And you know, I was like real impressed. On and we'll talk about the evidence here, but like uh, on the two shows that you guys have, have had, and that's the one with the Whispers Estate, and the other one I believe was at Sykesville, Maryland, yep. the, yeah. the hospital. Uh, that the part where Chad is in the is in the room uh, with the, where the lasers are, and you hear that giggle. Yeah, man, that gave me chills. Awesome. Like I mean, <laughs> I, I I mean, Chad, I probably would have just. Shit my pants. Around. <laughs> I, 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 com, I commend you for that one, man. I mean, you got you. You were startled, but like, I mean, uh, that was just that was just crazy. And I and I think that's the I think that maybe that you guys have maybe hit on something here because you know I've 
I've kind of fallen out of love with a lot of the ghost shows that are on TV. I used to be really into them. And I think you guys have really hit on something where you send a dude in alone. <laughs> you know? You know, the, the, I'll tell you what, though. I, one of the biggest um, kind of fronts that Chad and I have been fighting with this show and, and trying to get people on board is, uh, you know, People have gotten very used to ghost shows have been the same for almost a decade now. It's been a team, a a team of similar looking people in black t-shirts going into a location, uh, being tough, not being scared, kind of, you know, doing what they need to do to make their television show. And then that's what they've been for 10 years. And what Chad and I, you know, the, the battle we fight every day is to tell people you've never seen this before in 10 years. You've never seen a person not only confront a haunted location by themselves, but confront themselves alone in the dark. You know, you get into some dark places when you've been there for eight hours and you know the horrible things that have happened in there and your own psychology starts to play on you. That's something no one's ever seen before. Right. Right. And it's just like the, it doesn't even have to be a giggle. I mean, you know, you could be in a place and you get that funhouse effect, man. It's dark, and like any noise could just the, could just freak you out, especially if you build yourself up. Yeah, and some of these places are massive. I mean, they're massive. The you know the Sykesville, uh, uh the last episode. I mean, that was like ten buildings. It's just massive, and you're gonna see a prison that we you know in a couple more episodes. It's massive, yeah. so it's like it's hard enough being for me in a haunted house alone, let alone a haunted prison or a, a an insane asylum or a hospital alone. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, especially that W building. I mean, jeez, that that was that was crazy. That W building changed. Uh... A lot of, like, our, our day crew who shoots B-roll and witness interviews and stuff like that, um, a, lot of, a lot of them are just people who, you know, the, the production company will bring in to work for the day, moving cables around and stuff like that. All of the people on the set at that W building out in Sykesville, everybody had a radical shift in how they thought about this stuff. People were legitimately freaked out to go into that building during the day to set up, you know, <laughs> cables and stuff like that. But we had one... Uh, production assistant, a girl that was working on set who was like so freaked out that, you know, by the, like within a couple hours just refused to go back in the building. Wow. Yeah. I mean, did they have like some kind of experiences themselves? Or oh yeah, absolutely. Like, Hearing things, seeing uh, things. And, and you know, that then they leave, you know, for the night and Chad and I have to do what we do. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, have fun, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have this, this, like, small crew of people who are telling you how screwed up the place is, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, see you later, bye, and then they leave, and you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to go and crawl around in tunnels for the rest of the night. Yeah, that's the worst part, actually, when everyone's like, oh, it's awful in there, like, this happened, there's this energy, and I've I've actually told people, I'm like, shut up, I don't want to hear it, because I have to go in. I have to go in tonight. You don't alone. So shut up. <laughs> You're not making this any easier. No, it's hard enough. And Sean, I'll tell you, I'm laid out when I have to go in, and I know it the whole day. I'm laid out. I'm nauseous. I'm sweating. I'm sick. Every in every which way, it's awful. Like I'm a mess. So uh, 
you know, and then you go in, and then, like, when I come out, it's hugs with John, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm thankful to be alive, and I love you, buddy, and that was awesome, but... And and it's funny, Chad, I, I, I'm going to reveal a secret here that I've never said, but, and I think that he'll be okay with it, not you, but Nick. So our executive producer is Nick Groff from Ghost Adventures, and uh, obviously, we were just talking about when people have weird experiences during the day, and please don't tell us about it. And when we were filming Whispers, Nick was so freaked out when he was walking around in there during the day. And he kept telling us after he had gone in and he had thought something, he had thought something had grabbed him. And he kept saying that place is asked, that's that place, you know, and then he has to leave too. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, here's Nick from Ghost Adventures (laughs) afraid to go in this place and now we have to go in by ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chad, I want to bring you on, you know, to talk about, uh, because we covered this with John, but I I want to know, you know, how this all started for you. And, you know, as someone that's an actor, as a performer, you know, how did you get into, like, studying the Supernatural stuff? I mean, was it the show Supernatural that kind of got you interested in it, or had you always been interested in it? I've always been passionate, passionate about the paranormal and the other side, what happens, you know, when we die, just always loved it, had experiences my whole life. Uh, I've always, you know, I've enjoyed watching the ghost shows over the years. And, uh, you know, when Ghost Adventures came on, it really sparked something inside of me. And I kind of knew right then that I wanted to meet these guys. I wanted to work with them somehow. And five years goes by, and I got a hold of them finally and uh, became friends, and they actually brought me on to their show, to the Return to Linda Vista episode. And it was that night that I had just everything changed for me. My whole paranormal world opened up, and I started, you know, actually going and investigating seriously. I was getting invited to all these amazing places, and I really, like, went out and investigated for three or four years now. Um, And then I got a, a call one day from Nick Groff, saying he's producing this show and uh, he wants me to be in it with John. And I just pinched myself because it's really a, a dream come true. Uh, I don't even say job, experience. And to be able to right. go out and, and do this um, and have these places open their doors and let us go through and, and be in there alone, it's, it's just a really awesome gift. So, um, you know, it's just something I've been doing for a little while now because acting's all over the place. It's not consistent. And I just love it, so it's it's really kind of kept me grounded. You you um, like John, I think. So part of your interesting thing about both of you is that you both have near death experiences, and John talked about his. Uh, it, would, would it be okay to talk sure. about your experience? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I when I was seven, I was diagnosed with Rye syndrome, and my the doctors told my parents to uh, say goodbye to your son. He's going to die within a few hours. Jeez. And uh, I remember all the family coming by to see me to say goodbye. There were other kids in the area and in, within the hospital that had the same disease, and they passed on, and uh, I miraculously lived. I spent a couple of weeks in the hospital, and I was surrounded by family, and I came out of it. So um, I kind of walked that line, and uh, you know, I've had another instance since then, as well, where I was kind of close. So, um, luckily, I'm still here, and and I think it does play a, a part in my sensibility. I'm I'm still trying to learn 
why that is, because I'm discovering as I go into these places that I'm, I'm much more of a conduit than I ever thought I ever was. So, huh. you know, it's it's I'm learning as I go. How so? Do you think that like more activity things that happens when you're around? Yeah, I, before going into this, you know, I had a discussion with Nick about what I wanted to use, the tools I wanted to use, and I'm a big fan of the Spirit Box, and I've I've used it a lot over the years. And he's like, no, 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 just just go in by yourself. And I've learned that my body is the best tool than anything, and I've come out of this experience just stronger and knowing that I don't I don't need that stuff. I just go in and they just start talking to me like the woman. Um that just, you know, scared me so much I flew like ten feet back. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and really. then there was the moan upstairs that I heard that was sounded like the same moan that John heard prior. And it seems like in both both episodes, um you now of course you know I'm watching the edited, you know, the you guys are in there for eight or nine hours, but it seemed like in the first episode, Chad, you went upstairs, and all of a sudden, the like, you know, the little the rocking chair with the doll yeah. in it, sort of rocking back and forth. And then you were in another location on the second episode, and then you guys kind of got that like shadow over one of the lasers. So it seems it seemed that things seemed to happen when you were in there. Of course, John did get has gotten, uh, uh, you know, scratched and all that. And also, Chad, you seem to have gotten like a. Like, you know, almost like punched in the back a few times. Yeah, I definitely got punched in the chest at, at Whispers. Uh, we were in the backyard and just back there in the yard, and something just punched me in the chest. Uh, they like to, uh, to, to prick on my body, they like to pull on me. Uh, <laughs> they know I can feel that, and, and you know, they kind of like to use my body as a little raggedy and doll. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they react, the cool thing is to see how they react differently to John and I. You know, they're a little more physical with him. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, hopefully if we keep going, you know, we'll, the next level of, of weirdness will come our way. John, do you have to go? Are you? Uh, uh, I'm good for a few more minutes, actually. A few more minutes? Yeah. Well, I want to talk about in the time that we have, that we have left uh, with you guys, you know, kind of like your individual projects and, you know, uh, because you guys, you know, obviously you do other things besides, uh, you know, ghost stalkers, you know, uh, John, what's it, what is it that, you know, you have this, something called weird lectures. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Weird lectures is just my lecture series that I've done for the past 20 plus years. Uh, I travel all over the country and talk to people and try and engage them to think about stranger things than they might normally think about. But, uh, Somehow or another, I figured out, you know, I'm, I don't know how this happened, but uh, I think it's just stick-to-itiveness. But I'm one of the very few people, I think, in the paranormal field that has actually, because of my lectures, been able to do this as a living. I don't have a normal job. I, every day I sit and read and investigate and field calls from people about their experiences. And uh, it took me a long time to get to that point, but it's, it's really like what I love, and, and I'm lucky enough to be able to get to do it, you know as a full-time job, kind of. Uh, I have a p- podcast that I'll be starting up again called Realm of the Weird. There's already uh, 14 episodes up, I think, which are all available on iTunes. People just can go to realmoftheweird.com. But those are the strangest experiences that have happened to me over the past 27 years, kind of encapsulated into these almost Twilight Zone-like stories. Um, and there's going to be more now since I've been working with Chad. Uh, there is something really interesting uh 
on ghost stalkers. I mean, over the past 27 years, I've been to a lot of locations and done, seen a lot of weird things and had a lot of weird things happen. But there's something that is really interesting to me as a researcher that happens uh, when I'm around Chad. Uh, it seems to be like the whether it's our personal energies or our interactions or the way that we interact with the other realms, uh, stuff just really goes crazy. And uh, it, it's, it's really interesting to me. As a matter of fact, you, you talk about the evidence that we have on episodes. Uh, the episode that airs this Sunday, which I believe is uh, Old Taylor Memorial Hospital, uh, we, went, we went round and round to actually show, uh, to figure out if we were even going to show a piece of information because we capture something on videotape that blew my mind as a researcher when we saw it. It's so clear. It's so perfect that we had to, we had to go round and round whether or not we would even show it because it legitimately looks too good to be true. And, uh, we're good. You know, I fought to show it because it happened and, uh, you know, we had to go round and round, but it's, it's crazy to me when I first see what people will see on Sunday, uh, in that episode, my reaction isn't like screaming. My reaction is like, what the, like very calmly, like, what is that? Because <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing on the camera in front of me on the, on the check-in camera. And it's, it's really mind blowing what happens when Chad and I are together in a, well, investigating the same location. It's, it's, it's very strange. And I, I, I couldn't have asked for anything weirder. I love weird stuff. So I mean, I, I, you know, whether it's Chad being a conduit or a pipeline for the stuff to come through, whatever, it's, it's really opened my eyes. And I, I think that as people watch the episodes too, you'll actually see me get back to a place that I haven't been to in years. I, I am a very seasoned investigator and being with Chad has really freed up my, uh, emotional state to, to be more free and, and to be more accepting of the experiences that are happening to me. Right. And, and Chad, yourself, uh, what, what do you have that coming down the pipe? Uh, I just did a, a guest star of uh, Major Crimes on TNT. Um, a really nice, beautiful guest star. And what's funny about this guest star is uh, the director's name is John Tenney. Well, <laughs> John, yes, John Tenney, and he's an actor um, who people have been, you know, confused my John Tenney with for quite some time. So uh, we had the, there was the premiere in New York, and I missed it, unfortunately, um, and fortunately, because I had to work on something really cool. And I was really bummed, because I really wanted to be there with John and everybody and celebrate this most amazing show. And then I, I booked a part, so I couldn't go, and the director's name was John Tenney. So it was this weird sort of coincidence that came around, and it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm working on Major Crimes, and uh, what else? Um, you know, plugging away and auditioning and, you know, hoping we get to do this some more. What was your, well, what was your experience like working on Supernatural? It's one of my all-time favorite shows. Uh, th those guys are two of the nicest guys you ever meet. And, you know, I had no idea when I first did this show that it was going to become this huge worldwide phenomenon. I mean, it just really took yeah. off. And the fan base is really amazing and very loyal and supportive. And I don't know, I just feel incredibly lucky to be a part of, like, such a, a cool show and get to wear a mullet. And uh, you know, right, right. Ash is one of the funnest characters I you could play. And 
you know, you, you put that mold on and it just comes out. So, um, yeah, hey, it, I mean, it's really you cool. could have done Joe Dirt too, man. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Ash is a he, he's a badass. He's Doctor Badass. So, uh, um, and it's great because I've you know I've gone and done tons of conventions, supernatural conventions, all oh, over the world, awesome. and it's it's really cool that this show has just like kept me alive even even after I've died. So, have you been to the ones? Have you been to the ones in Nashville? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's where I am. Okay. Yeah. Na- yeah. Nash Vegas. Is that what they call it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, it. Yep. that's right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we got like three different time zones going right? on here. It's weird. <laughs> uh, well, uh, guys, uh, I really appreciate y'all coming on tonight. And, uh, you know, Chad, sorry we had such a problem getting yeah, y'all I'm on. Yeah, sorry, too. Uh, I'm glad but, we made uh, it. it. It was short and sweet, though. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad that you made it, too. And, uh, and, uh, just uh, want to just add one more thing, and I have a friend of mine that's out there. He has some kind of technology that he's pushing uh, called Hit Technology, and uh, he looks at like um, it's like a static. Like you take a video and you have this program that's a MIT made, and they they put it through this. Um, you put it through like kind of like this algorithm and it makes, and it shows like uh, sl- slows down the, the static in the atmosphere basically. Uh, and he's gotten a lot of interesting figures and shapes and such on there. One interesting thing that he's gotten has been these, uh, these orbs that, that uh, you can only see by running it through the program. So they're not like the, like bugs or something right. like that. It's really, it's really, it's really cool. weird. It's really strange. I've got that on my website. We uh, guys would be interested in, in checking that out. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, I know that uh, the guys that uh, you're know, also on your, uh, the Tennessee Ray Chasers. Uh, I know those guys, and uh, they've been working with that technology too. So, and then he actually worked on their show. Oh, very cool. The, the um, Ghost Asylum. But uh, I appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, just hold on the line for me for just a little bit. Now uh, we'll be back on Conspiracy Normal. All right, welcome back to Conspiranormal. Uh, I said it before, it's Adam. I think everybody knows that by now, if you listen to the show. I uh, want to thank the Ghost Talkers guys for coming out, uh, talking. That was a really great discussion. These guys are really lively, a lot to talk about. Um, the show, um, I can say, is extremely good, extremely well made. I really like the fact that they are sending a guy in with just um, a camera and some static cameras and just um, investigating. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Um, like I said, I've kind of fallen out of love with uh, some of the ghost shows that are out there. But uh, this show I found um, really fascinating. And some of the evidence that they've gotten so far for the first couple of shows has been uh, fairly good. Uh, so I want to thank John Tinney. And I want to thank Chad Lindbergh for coming out. Uh, <laughs> interesting, cool with uh, Chad is that he played Ash on um, Supernatural. And uh, Supernatural has been one of my all-time favorite shows to watch. And I remember him as like a guy with a mullet. He's kind of like a mullet. He had like a redneck kind of like computer hacker with a mullet. And he's uh, a really, really fun, really fun character. And uh, Chad's also been on, uh, I believe, Sons of Anarchy and quite a few other shows. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he was on, and uh, he's so he's been kind of a you know an actor that's been around for a while. And uh, it's really interesting to see him go into these locations because he just kind of just he he's got this real 
reaction of where he just uh, <laughs> just freaks out is really funny. But uh, it, it is a very visceral reaction at the same time, and it's very real. So, you know, I don't, don't see a lot of uh, anything that's fake that's going on there. But uh, just a couple of show notes. Uh, you know, Luke was not here tonight. He's out uh, getting his rave on with his woman. And uh, <clears throat> Zach not here tonight either. Um, you know, uh, gone through about uh, four weeks straight um doing shows and i uh, hope everyone's enjoyed them uh you know we had last uh, time was pat fitzhugh talking about the bell witch we had donna paris bischoff on about her uh, personal stories her book growing up paranormal and before that was the tennessee ray chasers and you know even before that really started within september with Stephen lachance talking about the uh <clears throat> his book uh, blessed are the wicked uh so gonna be taking a couple of weeks break and going to come back in November with a couple of shows that I'm really excited about. Uh, going to have the next show is going to be interesting too. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of people that have been on the show before. And that is like two guests on the show. Going to have Michael Carter who came on uh, beginning of this year, I believe back in March. And uh, you talk about his book Alien Scriptures. Well he has a new book out. And also going to have on Guy Malone. The guy is a good friend of mine. He was on the show back at the very beginning of Conspiracy Normal, back in uh, like episode 7, possibly. And uh, this is going to be like episode 64, I believe, that this is going to come up on. So it's been a while since he's been on. Uh, and we're going to have like an interesting discussion because uh, Reverend Carter believes that uh, UFOs, alien abduction, this is purely physical phenomenon. Uh, kind of like how, you know, Olaf Phillips believes it is a physical phenomenon, but probably Earth-based. Well, you know, my Reverend Carter believes, you know, aliens coming from another solar system, galaxy, whatever. A guy is more uh, in the realm of that it's a spiritual phenomenon. And we're going we're gonna to have those guys talk about their beliefs and what it is and their experiences and even though that both men have had the same experience they interpret it differently and uh, this is something we were talking about with John tonight about the experiences and how they're interpreted it and um, so I'm really looking forward to that as well um, and the next week uh, really excited about this guest uh, Dr. David Jacobs is going to come on and uh, David Jacob is one of the original alien abduction researchers going back into the 1980s along with like Bud Hopkins and John Mack both of those guys are gone now they're both have since shoveled off this mortal coil and uh, David Jacobs is still around he still uh, does research um, it, he would tend to believe that it's a physical phenomenon however he sees it as an existential threat to humanity that uh, basically that what is happening with a hybrid program that is going on in alien abduction is um, that we're basically being replaced and so that uh, is going to be an interesting show I was actually reading something that he wrote in his first book called Secret Life which was published about 1992 
and he was talking about how you know he did not see it as a threat or you know that they believe that the aliens had good intentions so after reading that which i've only read his second book which is the threat uh which is an interesting book to say the least um you know i'd like to know what changed his mind what made him believe that all of a sudden that you know that the aliens didn't have um <clears throat> all that was good you know it's anything good for us that they just want to replace us which there are some people out there um in the christian realm like elia marzulli that have kind of borrowed a lot from david jacob's work and uh you know that they believe that you know, there's a spiritual component but there's also a physical component uh someone like i'm alone uh, and Joe Jordan and that camp would believe that it's a primarily spiritual. Um, but Eli, I digress because Elie Marzulli believes that, you know, stuff like uh, the black-eyed children are actually alien hybrids and that they're going through some kind of program to uh, assimilate themselves into um, human culture and society. So this should be an interesting one. A uh, couple weeks after that, I've got so got a couple couple shows scheduled uh, we have on coming on um, a gentleman named Thad McCracken and uh, Thad is an occultist uh, he describes himself as a well he described himself as once practicing what was it uh, weed and sex magic sex chaos magic and having uh, some experiences, like kind of like contactee experiences as well, and how he interprets that in the kind of the realm of the occult in the way of um, similar to like where like Ant Robert Anton Wilson and his experiences are uh, Philip K. Dick and his experiences. So uh, we've got to, you know kind of loading it back up and going into the alien stuff for a little while and uh, turning away from the ghosts. I hope everybody's enjoyed uh, you know this. Halloween season and we all have a happy Halloween and uh, we'll see you back on the flip see you on the flip side as Bobby would say in uh, November on Conspiranormal
to my Transylvania bitch. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.